Podcasting from Phoenix, Arizona, the home of year-round flip-flops, the nation's largest city park, and Cactus League spring training. This is The Saver and The Spender, a weekly podcast about budgeting and money habits from both perspectives. And now, here are your hosts, The Saver and financial coach, Kelsa Dickey, and her husband, The Spender, Michael Dickey. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Episode 7 of The Saver and The Spender. Uh, Today's podcast is going to be a full podcast, and I think we have a lot of good topics today, actually, and and some a good question and a bunch of good, fun stuff. So hopefully everybody is so far uh, enjoying the podcast. Um, make sure that if you are listening and do enjoy it, that you do get on iTunes uh, and leave us a review, because that's very important. Um, it helps get the word out, but it also helps people that are browsing through uh, the millions of podcasts that are out there that this is actually worthwhile. So if you're on iTunes, all you do is go to where you can search through podcasts. You search The Saver and The Spender. I think you can also search Fiscal Fitness Phoenix. Uh, It will come right up. Once you click on that, you click on uh, ratings and reviews, and uh, you can leave it. You can leave it anonymously. You can leave your name um, and then just give us, uh, uh, you know, a good rating and your thoughts and your review and let people know that we're worthwhile to listen to. Thank you. So, yeah, thank you. We appreciate that. So today we want to get right into what is trending. And I found this on MSNBC money and they, uh, the t- title of the article is the worst things to buy at Walmart and target. You know, we think that you're getting the best deal at Walmart and target. And for a lot of things you are, but for a lot of things you are not. So let's, we want to talk about things that you're not getting a good deal on and how to get a better deal so you don't waste your time, your money, and, uh, you know, you get a good deal. So first one, getting right into it, don't buy store brand trash bags and paper towels. So buy this instead, name brand trash bags and paper towels because the quality makes up for the price. I noticed this actually the other day because I bought the Walmart brand paper towels and they are just horrendous. Horrible. I um I think I used one to wipe off uh, our daughter's mouth after she ate food or something, and you know you get it wet and you wring it out, and it just stayed in a hunk. It wasn't like as a towel like a, like the real nice mm. brands are. So it's worth the money to buy the name brand items for those those uh, two things at least. I will say one of the thing we use uh, Costco Kirkland. Uh, toilet paper. Yes. And do you, have you noticed how many people come to our house and say, what kind of toilet paper do you yeah. use? Which I know is a little weird, but they do. They ask us, what kind of toilet paper do you use? It's Costco Kirkland brand. Yeah. That, and it's, that it is, is my favorite. Yes. Yeah, so that is one exception, I think, that, that is as good or better than yeah. the more expensive brands for yep. sure. Okay. Okay. Number two, don't buy fresh produce. Buy instead name brand groceries. Buy produce from gro- grocers like Fries or Sprouts. Yes, Target and Walmart aren't the freshest uh, as far as their fresh produce goes. So, and they're not necessarily as uh, cheap as uh, going to other places. So, go to a place where the quality is better and you get the same price for better quality. Cool. All right, don't buy shoes from Walmart or Target. Uh, so instead, buy select accessories because the shoes may be inexpensive, but they are cheaply made. Yeah, you're gonna you buy the buy a better uh, quality for a little higher price, but the last three or four times as long, I'm sure. Uh, don't buy furniture. Buy uh, select home goods instead, such as bathroom linens, bakeware, tabletop kitchen appliances. Uh, better deals and better quality at other stores. Yes. Number five, don't buy name brand baking goods. Instead, buy store brand baking goods. Uh, it's pretty much the same thing, just less expensive. Yep. 
Don't buy name brand snacks. Uh, grocers like Albertsons and King Supers, which we don't have here in Arizona, yeah. offer these products for 25 to 30% less. Yes. So instead, you just buy the store brand snacks uh, from uh, Walmart. But if you want to buy the name brand, go to Fry's or Albertsons or whatever, wherever you have that's a, a better grocer. Okay. Uh, let's see, number seven, don't buy high-end electronics. Buy mid-range electronics instead. Yep. So you go to Best Buy or Amazon, you're going to find lower prices for the high-end electronics. Number eight, don't buy makeup remover wipes. This is near and dear to my heart, I know. (laughs) Instead, buy baby wipes. Yes. Uh, Number nine, don't buy name brand medication. Buy store brand medication, or I guess generic is what they're Mm -hmm. saying, right? Sure. It's kind of the same thing? Okay. Yep. They have to... um, generic if it's you know like you get claritin or mm. benadryl you can get the walladryl from walgreens or the what the equate brand from walmart and if it says compare compared to same ingredients in benadryl the name brand it it has to be the same exact uh ingredients quantities quantities and, and okay. qualities so mm. it's pretty much the same recipe, thing the yeah, recipe exactly it has okay. to be the same or they can't say that on there yeah uh, and last one, don't buy gift cards from Walmart or Target. Uh, try and do a DIY gift basket instead. So Target and Walmart sell a wide variety of gift cards, but usually at full face value. Online sites like Raise.com or stores like Costco actually sell them under face value. Have you ever heard of Raise.com? It's R-A-I-S-E.com. I had not heard of that until we were doing this little podcast research. So let us know if you've tried Raise.com for purchasing gift cards at less than face value and let us know what you think. Yeah, we'll look into that and let you guys know too, maybe a little Facebook post or something because we're always looking for a good deal. Mm -hmm. So next up, we're going to talk about Kelsey's financial rule of dumb. So explain what your financial rule of dumb is for those people out there that don't know. I love this name. I came up with that, I you think, did. but I um, which I'm usually not that creative when it comes to words. So um, financial rule of dumb is because there's a lot of financial rules of thumb out there. And what happens for most people is they read these and then they think because they aren't following them or they aren't following them perfectly that they start to feel guilty or feel bad about themselves uh, when we don't want that. And really, it's rule of dumb because most of these don't apply for most people. And so every podcast, we pick a rule of thumb, and I poke holes in it. Mm-hmm. Fun, right? Yes, super fun. So today's yeah. is budget about 30% of your income for lifestyle spending. Okay, uh, lifestyle spending. I'm not even sure what that means for a lot of people. I mean, I know what lifestyle spending means, but... Um, I think nowadays even like a house could be considered a lifestyle. It's not yeah. like, you know, most people don't buy a house that is only meets their basic needs. You know, you tend to add more to your house nowadays too. Or the car, you know, maybe uh, in the 40s, yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of that type of decision. So right, you had right. more for lifestyle spending. But anyway, um, so 30% for lifestyle spending. This is just one of those numbers where, again, if you are way under it, would you really justify increasing your lifestyle spending so that you can hit 30%? You know, I'm just not really sure that that even makes sense. Yeah. Um, if you are at 50%, but again, you maybe don't have a car payment, maybe you bike to work every day, or you, you know, don't have a large house payment. Um, maybe you have a house payment, but you've taken on two or three roommates that you don't pay a lot for your house. Uh, you could probably easily justify a much larger lifestyle 
spending than other people. Um, and then the same thing goes with if you have kids or don't have kids, then lifestyle spending, you actually have more people within your life that you need to spend for. So mm. 30% may not work anymore. Right. Um, if you have one income versus two incomes, 30% on one income, could actually be really, really big, especially if you are you have one person who stays at home. Uh, 30% would be a very large number for maybe that family. Mm-hmm. So I really think it comes down to prioritizing and deciding what is it that's important to you and putting more of your money towards those things than something else. Uh, if you're the type of person who wants to take really grand vacations, that would be considered a lifestyle thing. Uh, those are a lot more expensive than maybe somebody who likes to do staycations or simply wants to take time off. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And you could be like uh, a, a single guy that doesn't get a haircut. You know, I think a lifestyle person, I think of Haircuts and makeup and nails and entertainment and, I mean, that kind of stuff. And and if that's what you feel like lifestyle is, like, I could get by with 5%, I'm sure. <laughs> but, you know, there are some people out there, men and women, that that don't think that. You know, they, they want to get their hair cut often. They want to get it colored often. They want to get their nails done every other week. Um, and they want to get the, you know, $350,000... Uh, diamond encrusted nails. No, I'm not. Yeah. But we heard about that this weekend at a, at a course we were at. You it's did. a thing mm-hmm. you can get at Harrods in London. Um, <laughs> so budget, but uh, you know, it's it's it is just one of those arbitrary numbers that it, you have to look at the big picture. I think it also has says has a lot to do with where you live and your cost of living. You know, one of the things that we hear all the time is the the difference between a pedicure or a manicure here in Phoenix versus Michigan. Uh, Believe it or not, it is a lot more expensive in Michigan than Phoenix to get a manicure. So oh. it might be one of those things. I know you would think it would be the opposite, yeah, that right? Is no. Uh, so, hmm. you know, there are just some things that you might choose to have that others won't. I had a client too that had a, uh, I'll say a trust fund, but it really was uh, some money that was passed on to him that was solely for his retirement. He was not allowed to spend it while he was younger or it had to, it wasn't until he retired. And so he didn't have to put money away for retirement. That's awesome. Right? I know. That's really cool. Um, and so he could have been a lot higher and without guilt and, and that sort of thing. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I do think it might be nice to, uh, calculate your percentage. And what I would rather have you focus on is not the comparison of whether you're at 30% or not, but at least come up with your percentage. And then can you get it 1% lower? That's what I want you to try and do. What can, can you, you know, move some things around or shake things up a little bit, maybe find an alternative that's less expensive, simply to lower by 1%, no matter what you're currently at. Right. Okay. So that's your challenge. All right. Great. So let's get into the budget brag, where we uh, find somebody that uh, has something to brag about their budget, because we feel that success breeds success, and whether it's you paid off $115,000 in student loans, or, um, I mean, just a small, like, what's the smallest budget brag that you could ever think of? I I think the biggest thing is a person who goes one week sticking to what their eating out budget is supposed to be, because that's a really hard adjustment to make at first when you're Mm -hmm. so not used to it. You know, like you aren't used to living on a budget. You never have to pay attention. You have no idea what you spend. And for the very first week, you all of a sudden have to have some conscious awareness and decision making. And that's not an easy thing. Uh, Today's budget brag is from Samantha. And this is what she says. 
The biggest win we had lately was right before our now six-week-old baby was born. After the baby showers were over, we still needed some things for baby, and instead of panicking like we would have done in our pre-fiscal fitness life, since Kelsey had helped us come up with a baby budget when we found out we were pregnant, we were able to plan ahead and knew exactly how we would pay for everything we needed. What a great feeling. Yay! What a great feeling. I, you know, you have a baby, you're exhausted, right? You're, it's a huge life change. And then the last thing you want to worry about is can you afford to buy something for the baby? Oh my God, this is a huge win. This is, you know, the, the point of having a vacation, the point of having a budget in place is purely so that you can enjoy the important parts of your life. Mm -hmm. And this is a prime example. You get to enjoy your new baby you get to enjoy that, you know, transition and not worry about the financial part of it. Oh, I just love it. I love it. I yeah. love it. So what, what a great feeling. I know yeah. that we we have that too. And, and sometimes we're like, we have this baby budget, but we are not even, um, you know, we, meeting 50% of it each, yeah. each month, you know. Yeah. So it's just a good feeling that we know we have this money for bigger and better things, not just monthly things. Yeah, so, and I actually have a client right now who's pregnant, and, you know, we just created a baby fund. You just put some money in there every month. Not, even if even if you don't know necessarily what you're going to use it for, or you don't know ahead of time what you're going to get from your baby shower, what you might need afterwards. Um, you know, I had one client who, it was her second baby, and the first baby slept well right away. And the second one, she had to keep buying different things. You just wanted to, she wanted to try anything possible to get the, the second baby to sleep because the baby was not a good sleeper. So, um, but it's one of those things where when you have the money, you don't have to question it. Mm -hmm. And so start a baby fund, put money in there. Carmen is, you know, obviously born. She's nine months old. We still have a baby fund going. And you know what? I think about things like buying a swing set for our yard mm -hmm. or some pool toys or something like that. We don't really have to worry about it. We also have grandma. She does a pretty darn good job of spoiling our daughter too. Yes. But we have a baby fund where if we need to buy something for her, we can which is yes, a wonderful thing. It is. Like uh, lately, this is what we've been buying on our baby fund is that uh, Carmen is nine months old, but that little porker <laughs> <laughs> fits in 18. Twel 12 to 18 month old clothes. Yes. So we, we bought 12 month old clothes for Christmas, but she's not going to be able to wear those things for Christmas. So she's wearing Christmas PJs right now. Okay. Let's talk about a budgeting fail from the budgeting <laughs> queen herself. I, after Christmas last year, Carmen was born on December 31st. So after Christmas last year, I thought I was a genius. I thought I was so smart. I bought a bunch of baby stuff on clearance at the 12-month age thinking that that was so smart. I mean, mm -hmm. I got some PJs, cute little Christmas PJs with Santa Claus and reindeers and all sorts of stuff on it. And they're all 12 months. She doesn't fit into them now, which means she's wearing them now in October because come Christmas, there's no way... Mm those thighs are going to fit into her Christmas PJs. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, but she looks really cute, she right? She is super cute right now. Yeah, so... I'm just pretending it's Christmas. There, you can plan ahead, and then there's times where planning ahead is really not yep. uh, always the, the mo best financial move. Yep. Best to plan some mice and men, right? Yes, exactly. Yep. So Great. All right. So uh, we're going to go to our listener question from Daniel. Okay, so this is actually a really good one yeah, for, ma for many, many reasons, I think. So um, after all the scandals and, and some personal frustrations, I am considering making a credit union my one and only financial institution. I am currently a member of a credit union through my auto loan, and I'm loving their customer service. Uh, do you have any opinions on credit unions in general as opposed to Wells Fargo? So Wells Fargo has been in some trouble in the past year. Uh, for a lot of different reasons, but um, they made some very poor um, 
decisions from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you haven't seen, I don't remember the senator's name. Um, oh gosh, what's her name? But she ripped into the CEO of Wells Fargo, and it is the best thing yeah. that you can watch and feel good that your government is actually doing something good for you because she just laid into a thing like that. But anyways, okay. um, maybe while I'm talking, you can look on I Facebook. Will. Really I will. I will look it up. Yep. It's going to drive you nuts. Yes. So, uh, and then Daniel also says, also, I'm currently paying off credit card debt of about $2,000 through weekly installments. I don't plan on skipping out on it, but would it prevent me from closing out my Wells Fargo account? Okay. So banks, let's talk banks. I have a love hate relationship with banks. They're sort of you know, one of those necessary things, but they love charging fees and I don't really get it because it's your own money. But, um, you know, a credit union is definitely better. I think as long as, um, you're not one who travels often. So certainly we have bank of America, we travel a lot. And so we need bank of America or we need access to some banks, you know, all over the place. Um, the other thing that I sometimes think a, a credit union falls short on is their online banking software or the capabilities that they offer online. So if you are big online, they do tend to offer things like bill pay and transfers and you know a lot of the basic things, but certainly their software is a little behind the times. So Chase, Wells Fargo, Bank of America are certainly better from an online standpoint, but you are not get, going to get the customer service from those, and you're likely going to have fees for most mm. of the big banks where you hopefully won't from a credit union. Right. Okay, so I'm a huge fan of a credit union. If you've got one local, if you've got one that you can uh, access, and even if you do travel a lot, try to find one that doesn't charge ATM fees from any ATM that you're going to have. Um I really just, I have this thing with fees. I don't really get why banks are charging so many fees nowadays. So uh, I think it would be really prudent to switch. I have a couple of recommendations when you're switching banks. First, download like one year at least of your bank statements just as a PDF from your old bank because once you close that account, you're not going to be able to access those without maybe paying a reactivation fee. So make sure you download a bunch of your bank statements before you officially close it. I think it's really good to open the new bank and get slowly transition things over. Even if you change over the automatic pay on an account, uh, sometimes it happens where they, you know, it doesn't happen in time. They don't update it in time. So it clears the wrong account. So it's really good for one month while you're going through the transition to keep a little bit extra in both checking accounts. That way, if something does clear the wrong account, you're you're covered either way. There's not going to be overdraft fees or something like that. Um, To answer your question, Daniel, first of all, awesome job paying $2,000 extra to your credit cards. That's amazing. So keep up that good work. Uh, The second thing I will say is your credit account should be completely separate from your checking account. So you're going to still have a Wells Fargo credit card. It sounds like that's what you're saying is you have a Wells Fargo credit card. You're going to have that. You're going to close down your checking account. If you're having it set up to be automatic pay, make sure you turn that off. But it shouldn't prevent you from being able to close your Wells Fargo checking account at all. So that is should not have an impact whatsoever. Um, and then you'll just want to set it up where you can transfer regularly or make payments regularly to the credit card from your new, uh, from your new bank at the credit union. So shouldn't really matter. Uh, and there's really no reason to, to wait if you're ready to do it. Right. Perfect. Um, the, uh, I looked it up. It's Senator Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Da. Yeah. yeah. Of course. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And it was Sorry, awesome. Guys. So yeah. YouTube that. I'll, I'll I'll put a, a link to it in the uh, episode notes just so you can watch it. Um, and it was it was awesome. All right. So the main topic we wanted to talk about today is just 
uh, finding time to budget. Um, that is uh, a, a limiting factor for a lot of people on why your budgets fail or why you fail your budget, I guess is maybe a better way to say that. So um, let's talk, talk about some ways to, to find time to budget. Okay. First of all, I want to say that usually budgeting is not an additional commitment of time. So if you think about all the time you spend worrying about money, thinking about it, putting out fires on the back end because you aren't in control of either paying a bill or uh, making good decisions, you are going to replace all of that time with being proactive, planning ahead, and actually spending the time on budgeting. Now, initially, it's not like you eliminate all of the fires right away. So there's a little bit of a transition where when you first start budgeting, you're being very proactive and you're spending the time budgeting. And at the exact same time, you're still thinking about it all the time. You're still um, worrying about money and you're still putting out fires. So there's a little bit of duplication there initially. But the longer you stick with it, what ends up happening is that the bad part goes away and you're only left with the investment of time on the front end, which is much more proactive anyway. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's one thing to kind of think about. Um, some ways to find time. I really like to equate finding time to budget the same as finding time to work out. So Carmen is nine months old. I just recently started working out in the last month and getting that part of your routine is so hard. Starting is the hardest part. Starting with budgeting is the hardest part because it feels awkward. It feels clunky. Um, you're not really sure. You're not efficient at it likely. You're forgetting things. Um, all of that is very normal. The more and more you do it though, the better you get at it, the faster you get at it, you're more efficient. Um, it becomes sort of just a very normal thing. Um, and you want to keep doing it until you get to that point. So, you know, we've all probably heard before that it takes 21 days to make anything a habit. Same for budgeting. So I recommend going and budgeting every single day. Just look at it every single day. It makes it so that it doesn't feel like such a chore if you do it every day. Not only that, but if you, when you first sit down to budget, if you go like two weeks in between actually looking at it, it's almost like you have to sit down and you have to like remember all over again what it is that you're supposed to do. So mm -hmm. it's like a whole new thing all over again. You have to relearn it. Where if you're doing it every day, it's still fresh in your mind from the day before. So it seems easier. It's becoming easier and easier. And then eventually you can start to spread it out a little bit um, at a time. So mm -hmm. So that's a couple of things. Um, try to do it every day for at least 21 days and then start spreading it out from there. So maybe going two days in between for 21 more days and, and so forth. Right. Okay. Until you will find the way you like to do it. Uh, every client's a little different. I have so many people who love to do it daily like me, cause I love that. I love crunching numbers. Um, and then I have some people who like to do it once a week. Uh, I have some people where they kind of feel like they got to force themselves to do it every pay period. So maybe once every two weeks and that's mm -hmm. okay too, as long as you stick to some sort of schedule and you do it regularly. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I love, you know, sort of accountability partners or accountability groups in the sense that this has to be somebody who is going to encourage you to spend and save wisely. Okay. So they can't justify you buying something that isn't in line with your goals or something like that. Or maybe really they are simply the check-in person for the task itself, not the decision part of it. Does that make sense? Yes. Yep. Okay. Um, 
I think it's really important to set short-term goals. So again, focus on just the first 21 days. Are you going to save $5 in the first 21 days? Okay, short-term, small, just get it started. A lot of people say that they're going to like pay off a credit card in the first month, and that's not always possible. It might not be realistic at all. Like Your credit card balance might be more than you're going to make in a month. Okay, Mm -hmm. so it is okay in that first month. Your goal can be something like, I'm going to do this every day for 21 days, or I'm going to, you know, put some new habits in place. It doesn't have to be a results oriented outcome sort of thing initially. Okay, Um, setting reminders on your uh, calendar or your Mm. phone, alerting you, like, did you budget? You know, that kind of thing. I personally like to do mine every morning. So I wake up, I have my coffee. It's just something I pull it up. It's very therapeutic to me. I enjoy looking at it. I then know throughout the day there's nothing I need to worry about. I just threw it in my mouth a little bit. Just so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it really is up to you, but trying to find a time to make it routine. So scheduling it in, blocking it in. If you think about all the things that you... Uh, you know, if you do work out often or if you have really some healthy habits, how did you reinforce those into your life? What did you do? Did you have, you know, notes with a dry erase marker on your mirror in your bathroom, you know, to eat healthy mm-hmm. and that sort of thing? Try to do all of those same things. Keep it very front and center. The one thing that I always think about with money, it is a very hidden thing. Yeah. Okay. It is not obvious. It's not out there. If you don't do it, nobody knows. Okay. And so because of that, you could, it could easily just get brushed under the rug and, or you could easily just get distracted and not think about it. So having reminders all over the place and the reminders I think should be more focused on the why behind budgeting. Like, why do you want to budget as opposed to just the reminder of like, Hey, make sure you budget. Mm -hmm. Uh, so either that the lifelong goal of, you know, not worrying or not stressing. And if you really try to find a picture or an image that really resembles what it would be like, what your life would be like if you felt good about your money and you actually loved your money and you actually felt happy about it, imagine what that would be like for you. Find a picture that resembles that and put that everywhere. Put it on your fridge, put it on your dresser, you know, your nightstand, put it everywhere so you're constantly seeing it because the why I think will keep you motivated to actually carving out the time to budget. And then again, remembering it's an investment of time at the beginning. You're going to feel like you're doing double the amount of work. You probably won't feel great at it. You're not going to feel like you're doing something easily. It's not going to come easily to most people. Um, So if you keep doing it though, then it gets easier and all of that negative energy around money sort of disappears and Mm -hmm. it's only left with the productive time that you're spending. Right. Yep. Okay. Great. How would you suggest, say, um, your your partners with somebody in in money and life, um, and you want to have a budget meeting? How often should you have a budget meeting? Well, it depends on how uh, how much is constantly changing. So I think when we were making the decision for you to stay home with Carmen, we were talking numbers often, mm-hmm. you know, um, if things tend to be sort of the status quo, I would say once a month. And generally what I say, this is probably a whole podcast, but, yeah. um, 
is there's usually one person who's really good at budgeting and another person who maybe isn't so inclined to do it or doesn't enjoy it. And, you know, we're always trying to play to each other's strengths when you're in a marriage. So uh, the one person who's doing the numbers, do all the numbers, pay all the bills, get everything organized. And then your job is to sort of give a bullet pointed version to the other person. You Mm -hmm. don't need to rehash every detail. You know, it's it's not that necessary. That's way too time consuming. And you're going to lose that other person. They're just going to kind of like gloss over and you're going to lose them. So mm-hmm. instead give them some bullet points of here's where we stand. Here's how we're doing good. Or here, here's where we're falling short. And then use that as more of a strategy session. So if you have extra, what are we doing with it? And talk about that together. If you're falling short, using it, using it as a problem solving meeting. So what can we do to come up with this and use that time to strategize together? It's also really important to try and make it as fun as possible. And this gets easier and easier the more money you have left, because then you're really just talking about, ooh, what should we do with it? You know, and it's yes. fun. You're planning ahead. But have a glass of wine, have a beer, um, maybe grill out, you know, whatever it is that your thing is. But try to have a a, a fun sort of twist to it. Yes. Just so everybody knows that what she just said is exactly what she does to me. What? Just, oh, you, you know that my eyes are going to gloss over the minute you say budget. Oh, you're saying I do a good you do, thing. You did a great, absolutely oh. great thing. <laughs> but that is, but you're just, no, but yeah. you're just revealing your secret to me. So now I know that I get tricked into, no, but it, it's, it's really good if you just bullet points. This is, we're doing good. This is great. If, for the non-numbers spender type people like me, that's all I need to know. Yes, and I really appreciate exactly. everything that you do as a saver Good, thank and you. a budgeter, but um, it's that's all I need to know. Yeah. That, it and would that, like and that is okay. you to death, yes. right? And that, yeah. And that's okay to not yeah. be that numbers person. It really is okay. And as long as you, you have uh, input um, and discussion about um, your needs and um, what's going on in your monthly or, or, or budget based on paycheck or whatever you're doing, that's what's important, that you're actually giving feedback into... Yes. To, to where your money goes, because you can't be that person that like, um, I don't care, just do whatever you want. That's That puts way too much burden on the saver type person. I will tell you, I'll give you a really good example okay. of, of this. Um, we recently, Michael and I decided to make a large investment into something. And here's the thing is large is relative. So I'm not even going to say the dollar amount because it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It was large to us. Mm-hmm. So think about a number that would be a large investment to you. And that's what we're saying. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a large investment for us before we committed I knew the numbers, and so I said, if we do this, this is what we're. I think we're going to have to give up. Yep. These are the things that I'm seeing that are, you know, flexible in the budget. And so he knew that ahead of time before we made the decision. This comes back full circle to the conversation we had in episode six, which was about, oh, we'll figure it out later. We figured it out before we made the commitment mm-hmm. of what it is are we giving up in order to do this. And I made sure he knew that because it's not just up to me. Um, this is our life and our money that we we live together. So I said, if we do this, this is probably what we're going to have to give up. So he knew that. And we then decided to make the commitment. Um, the next day when I was pulling up the budget, I, <laughs> did you buy the pool house? Oh, <laughs> uh, the dollar sign pool house, the oh, yeah, house yeah. in our neighborhood with a dollar sign as a pool. No, but that would have been really good. Um, it gonna, was not I'm that gonna, large of an investment. <laughs> I'm going to leave a link in our liner notes for this too, because in our neighborhood, some from a, uh, it's a house for aerial sale, right? View, yeah, yeah. There's an aerial view of the house and their pool is a, a the dollar sign. It's shaped it's like as a dollar Puff sign. Daddy's yes. house, right? Yes. So really hope it's Puff Daddy's house. Yes. Because... And we do not live in a baller neighborhood, no. so this is really funny. <laughs> no. But anyway, um, <laughs> 
No, we did not invest in that. So, but good question. This was much smaller than yeah, that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and then the next day when we uh, actually, I pulled up the budget and I was moving stuff around and then I actually reported into him on, this is how much we had to give up. This is kind of how the numbers shake out. And he was fully aware of it. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't, uh, it wasn't all on me. wasn't all on my shoulders. It wasn't a decision I made alone. And I think because of that, we both feel really excited and awesome and amazing and uh, confident about the decision and also mm-hmm. the impact that it's having on our life as a result. Yes. Cool. Yep. So there you go. That We kind of got off on a tangent, but I, I think tangents bit. are great. They I are. I like tangents. They are. Um, so I, I'm, I'm going to propose something. I've been thinking about this while you're talking for a second. I have no idea what he's no, going to say. I, no, no. And this okay. is, I'm proposing this to America. <laughs> so wait a minute we have four yes. listeners right yep, now so. all four of you americans <laughs> um so you know like kelsa said uh budgeting is a very private thing and it's not something that people take pride in necessarily but on social media you see always people hashtag getting my swole on you know hashtag i'm working out you show pictures and selfies of you working out or doing these things that you're proud of you should be proud of your budget Mm-hmm. And so I say we come up with a hashtag, hashtag budgeting selfie, hashtag what do you think, something like that. And then you post your picture of you budgeting to break that stigma of budgeting is such a, is, is a four-letter word. Yeah, I love that idea. I, um, can you pull up our Facebook page really fast? Yes. Sorry, hold tight, hold tight. We're tangent. Just Pause. chill with us for a second, okay? Um, Facebook Live people, what's a good hashtag? Hashtag budgeting selfie, hashtag... I like budgeting uh, selfie. That's pretty good. Um, Tammy says, I don't hashtag. (laughs) Me neither, actually. So, but no, we're going to start hashtagging. Tammy, this will be the only hashtag you use is the one we're about to come up with right now. So go to about. 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 Um, Go to... Sure, page info. Go down to mission... Oh, yeah. Okay. So my vision, this is, and I I truly mean this. This is, when I think about what I would love for the world, this is it. Ready? My vision is a world where the word budget holds promise and possibilities and individuals feel empowered to spend and save money intentionally. That really is, like, I really feel like I want people to be walking around and just talking about their budget Mm -hmm. like it's no big deal. Right now, I feel like if you say that you're on a budget, people immediately assume, oh, no, you must be having financial Mm -hmm. trouble. Or, oh, no, did you hear so-and-so is on a budget? That Why is it a bad thing? I think people should be like, I'm on a budget. I own this. I'm proud of what I'm doing with my money, and I'm on a budget because I actually care about what I'm doing with my money in my life. And I would love for like the world five years from now, 10 years from now, in my lifetime to be where budget, I actually think it's, here's another thing that I think, okay? Mm. I'm getting way off on a soapbox here. Okay. okay, is that women would rather be called a than actually be told that, or, or have people think that they live on a budget. Mm. Right? Like, it's almost kind of cool to say that you're a B-I-T-C-H, right? Yeah. Um, Earmuffs. Sorry. I hope there's no kids listening. But it's actually worse to say that you live on a budget. Like, that is so sad to me. So this is that same thing. Like, let's change that one person at a time. Let's all go, ooh, budget struggle. Oh, my God. I kind of love 
Yeah, Christy, that's good. So Christy said, hashtag budget strong. Oh my God, budget strong. Let's do that. Yes, I love it. Budget strong. That's it. That's our hashtag. Okay. And Christy, it was all because of you. Thank you so much. That is, I love it. Budget, that's, budget selfies it's just, perfect. it's good, but yeah. it was a little like, eh. Yeah. Budget it could be your strong. second hashtag. So first hashtag, budget strong. Oh, we're going to have two hashtags? Yeah. Whoa. Tammy. Tammy says she doesn't hashtag. Now we're expecting her to have two yep. hashtags. <laughs> can you no. hashtag on Facebook? I, that's mostly for Twitter and No, you Instagram. can now. You can oh, now. You're, okay. you're way behind the times, dude. Know. You totally can hashtag. What about on MySpace? <laughs> I forgot about MySpace. It took yeah. me a minute to think about what that was. <laughs> um, budgets give us freedom. Yes, exactly. They're not a bad thing. They're not restrictive. Mm-hmm. They're not, they're actually very liberating. So I love the idea of budget strong and let's just really be proud of the fact that we budget. And you know what, if someone wants to question or think, God, we must be broke if we budget, let them think it. That's all mm-hmm. about them anyway. That's, you know, those limiting beliefs that people have. That's one of them, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. let them have that belief and, uh, we'll just keep this to be our secret for, for a while that, right. We're proud of our budgets. And if they see everybody, you know, more and more people doing hashtag budget strong, they're going to be like, oh, maybe budget isn't that bad of a thing. I seriously yeah. love yeah. this. I have chills right now. Christy, genius. Love the genius. budget strong. I think that's perfect. That's perfect. Oh, love it. Yes, yes, yes. Perfect. Okay. So... Uh, what are we talking? Oh no, Carmen's Corner. That's what's next. We totally got off on a we long did. tangent. Let's do Carmen's Corner. Okay. So Carmen's Corner is um, our daughter is Carmen. She's nine months old, almost ten months now. Um, but uh, you know, we get a lot of questions about how to talk to your kids about money, or how some some skills or actions or uh, lessons that you can give your kids so that they um, don't end up kind of like I'd probably say our generation, but. Um, a lot of people that say, you know what, I just never learned that. My parents never taught me that. Yes. So what is ours this week? This is another way that we are on a mission to change Mm -hmm. the way people do this is we want you to talk to your kids about money. We want you to feel really confident on what to say and how to say it and how to teach it. So this is for the parents with older children, maybe 15, 16, 17 years old, the children who are maybe taking some responsibility over some of their expenses. Maybe that's a portion of their cell phone bill. Maybe they have their own car and they are responsible for paying the car insurance. Okay. So that's kind of what we're talking about. There's lots of examples, but those are just a couple. Mm-hmm. I see parents often where they will have the 16-year-old, let's say, give them money for the car insurance and then they pay it or they um, take money out of their account or transfer it right out of their account for their cell phone or they essentially do it for the child or the child pays them. Okay. And really the goal here is to make it so that the 16 year old who pays the bill gets so comfortable with paying a bill that the transition from them paying the parent to paying the actual vendor, let's say once they graduate and they move out, is very seamless, okay? Mm -hmm. So really what I would rather have you do is help them to get set up with like a bill pay or a check or, you know, if you want to give them a handwritten checkbook, that's okay too. Um, But something where you want to enforce a due date, so even if they are paying you, it's not just like an open-ended like, oh yeah, whenever, okay? There's a due date and they need to pay you. Um, And then they actually need to handwrite and pay that and you don't do it for them, Okay. The other thing you can do is actually just have them pay the vendor directly and get them really comfortable with either using like a bill pay feature or something like that. Now, at first, of course, your job is to guide them and coach them on how to do this. So either opening a checking account, 
how to use bill pay, how to you know get used to the timing of it, how to verify that the vendor received the payment. Um, all of these things are very, very important, and they're not going to know how to do this on their own right away. So it takes a few months of you doing it with them, sitting down with them, and then after a while, you want to kind of take yourself out of it and simply you give a couple of gentle reminders like, hey, did you pay that? Teach them how to set reminders on their computer for their calendar for a bill that's due. Um, but that way when they leave, they get used to, they know how to pay a bill and they know how to double check that the vendor is, um, what the due date is and everything like that. Mm-hmm. If you are doing it for them, if you are taking the money out of their checking account for them, if you're having them give you cash, it is likely when it comes time for them to pay their car insurance or their cell phone themselves, they're not paying cash for those things. So get them used to paying a bill when they're in the safety of your home um, before they go out on their own. Make that transition so easy. Perfect. Should parents charge a late fee? Yes, you should. At 100%. And here's my thing. A lot of parents are like, I don't want to take money from my kid. Give it right back to them. Put it in a savings account that they don't even know exists. Because mm. here's the thing is you may not need the money. Let's say you charge a $5 late fee on a cell phone. Um, it's more about reinforcing the idea that, guess what? Vendors charge late fees, okay? Mm-hmm. So they have to get responsible. And it's not about you keeping the money or taking the money from your child. Simply open a savings account. They don't even need to know it's there. Put that money in there, and then later when they show some responsibility or you want to reward them, you can give it to them. But you actually want to charge a late fee. Yes. Is that scary? That's a scary thought for some people. Yeah, but yeah. do it. Do it. We gotta learn. Mm-hmm. We gotta learn rather than learn learn ahead. Rather than learn on their you know baptism by fire and and going out there when they go to college and they don't know how to do any of that. So yes. we gotta learn. Uh, Christy says on Facebook that my son learned a lot when I had him pay a very large phone mm-hmm. bill. Perfect point. If when you have a child has to pay for something out of their own money versus oh it's my parents' money, I promise you they will start to care. They uh-huh. will make a very different decision. They will pay a little closer attention. And again, we're just trying to reinforce these really good habits when they're in our home versus when they're out and about and they actually do get a late fee or um, a a hit from a vendor. One of the things that I see happen is a child doesn't know, or a young adult, I should say, doesn't know how to pay a bill or doesn't know how to verify any of this information. And then a bill ends up getting so past due, it then hits their credit score, Mm. hits their credit report. And this is just one of those things that reinforces this negative belief that I'm never going to be good with money from too young of an age, where you actually want them to feel successful with just basic financial principles at a young age. It leads them to feel a lot more confident when it comes time to do things like investing or buying a house and like those really big things. Mm -hmm. Perfect. All right. So I'm going to work on everybody, all you parents out there with teenagers that uh, need all those things, but they got to pay for them. Yes, exactly. Right. So next week we're going to be talking about how to adjust your budget when high stress times arise. Right. Building in some flexibility, how to adjust your normal way of budgeting Mm -hmm. when things happen unexpectedly. Yes. Unexpected emergencies or... Uh, when somebody moves across country. Uh, when you have a plan in place and all of a sudden something forces you to violate the plan and uh. it's something that is a necessity, something urgent, maybe a family dilemma, maybe a mm-hmm. uh, uh, car repair, a necessity happens and you have to go into problem solving mode. I love that because there's gotcha. definitely a lot of tips there. Tammy knows how to do them all. So she could do the podcast yeah. with us. We'll call we'll call you. T- <laughs> exactly. Something like that. So, okay. Well, uh, 
just uh, as a reminder, if you guys want to leave us a review on iTunes, um, I am making a how to do that um, kind of infographic for our webpage. But um, if you if you don't use iTunes, uh, you know you can leave a review on Stitcher or anywhere else that you're listening to us. But we'd really appreciate that, just so people get uh, the word out. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, thank you guys. We appreciate it. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Budget strong. Hashtag budget strong. Hashtag budget strong. Thanks for listening to The Saver and The Spender. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address, www.fiscalfitnessaz.com, to your family, friends, and colleagues. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at IamFiscallyFit, and on Facebook at FiscalFitnessPHX. Join us next time for another edition of The Saver and The Spender.